Welcome to the Venture Clash Entrepreneurship Podcast, where we meet entrepreneurs in the digital health and fintech spaces. Together, we'll hear real-world stories, gain practical insights, and discover the amazing things happening behind the scenes of thriving early-stage companies making their mark. It's time for the Venture Clash Entrepreneurship Podcast. Well, hey, everybody, I'm Kenny Jang. Thank you so much for joining us for this installment of the Venture Clash Entrepreneurship Podcast. I'm excited today because we are getting deep down and dirty with some of the entrepreneurs in the fintech, insurtech, and digital health startup spaces with this podcast. Today, I've got the pleasure of having a conversation with Jeff Weikert of Payveris. Um, he's a fantastic conversation partner today. You'll see. Um, I think this will be a very interesting um, journey that you'll see that Payverse has gone on to, to get to where they are today. Before joining Payverse, uh, Jeff spent 30 years in the financial technology sector in a variety of executive roles. Um, it's no, you'll, firms that you've heard of before, Deloitte & Touche, Bank of America, SunTrust, Deluxe Corporation. He has been around the block and has, is a veteran in this space and now he's applying his expertise um, leading Payveris in this fintech venture startup. So Jeff, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Kenny. We're glad to be here. So um, as we get started, I shared a little bit about your background. Why don't we start with you personally? Just tell us a little bit about what is your story? How did you come from these big box, giant companies of the industry to a venture startup. T tell us a little bit about that Jeff journey and venture. Sure. So, yeah, you're right. I spent uh, a long time working for uh, larger, well-established companies for the first two-thirds of my career. Um, I had about a 10-year run at, at CheckFree, which was a smaller company back then that ended up growing to be a billion-dollar company. We were acquired by Fiserv. And I had a chance to sort of step back and change gears. Uh, my kids were getting a little bit uh, older, you know, going into college. And I had a chance to sort of get off the, the, the merry-go-round, if you will. <laughs> and I hooked up with a startup out in Silicon Valley that was doing a real unique uh, solution around smart payments. And uh, they were called Variant. And um, I thought, you know, why not? Uh, they were a, a really a pre-revenue startup back then. And... Uh, had a real unique uh, solution and uh, small company, uh, about 12 people, and I had a chance to spend three years there. And I think that's when um, the that was around 2007, 2008. I started there. That was when I got the the bug to work <laughs> at more of a startup type environment. It was fun to go out in the market and uh, challenge yourself. You know, using your network. Um, we were going after financial institutions and large entities like uh, American Express and Chase and right, Discover. Right. And I spent three years there, and that's really when I think it got into my blood. After I left there, I had a couple of other stints at uh, different companies. And then the opportunity at Payveris presented itself, which really allowed me to get back into what is a, you know, a, a, a young company that has a lot of promise. Um, but also get back into payments, which gotcha. is really what I enjoy doing the most. So you didn't see any big um, culture clash going from corporate America to a 12-person startup to um, these small enterprises? Oh, for sure. You know, you, you, you tend to get in the bigger companies. The reason companies like ours 
exist is because of innovation. Yeah. You know, big companies end up getting large base of customers and rightfully so they manage those and they tend to, to, to have trouble innovating. And that's why all these companies are popping up and all the money is being poured into FinTech, especially because uh, there's, there's lots of uh, ideas out there and the big companies have trouble taking those ideas and making yeah. them a reality for a variety of reasons. So I think the ability to uh, uh, create an idea and be able to run with that idea and then pivot along the way, um, you know, that, that gives you that flexibility and it, 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 it takes away a lot of the uh, friction that you have with a big company where you have to uh, go to a committee to present your idea, then you <laughs> yes. have to compete with all the other departments, and then you have to get funding for your idea. And a lot of times, there's not enough money or resources to do what you want to do, and so you're kind of stymied. And in a startup, in a small company like Payveris, you know, we're, we're blazing our own trail, and we can uh, attack opportunities a lot faster, so we're more agile um, and faster, uh, and, and we're able to do things in the market that the market's really asking for. Yeah. So that that's a big difference, I think, the the the, the lack of friction you have in a small company, um, and being able to pivot and move fast. Yeah, I don't think I've ever met an entrepreneur who misses those days of committees and big meetings and all those layers of bureaucracy. Um, yeah, that that is uh, something that you know I don't miss either. <laughs> uh, and 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 in the startup, you also I think. In a big company, you kind of sometimes get lost in terms of the impact you yeah. are bringing to the company. So you might have a spectacular day, but the real sense of satisfaction you get isn't as great as you would get in a small company, where here, if you have a good day, you're actually affecting the future of the company in a big way, because there's only 25 people. So you're a big person. Every person is a big percentage of that company. Yeah. Versus, you know, fifty thousand people, where you're you're kind of lost in all that. Yeah, so exactly. I think that that sense of satisfaction is much much greater in a in a small company. Oh, very well articulated there. I think that significance piece is huge. Um, so tell me, let's talk about a little bit about your company. What does your company do in the fintech space? What problem are you trying to solve, and what's the actual service of delivery that you are promising to your customers? So we are. Um, a digital payments company um, and we sell our services to community banks and credit unions in the United States and there's 13,000 banks and credit unions in the United States so it's a big market and we our mission is really to make those community banks and credit unions relevant again in the payments domain so if you think about what's happening in the market today um, those kind of institutions have been around for a long time uh, and they were started, you know, a long time ago, um, and banks were started a long time ago when people were trading, you know, chickens for goats and yeah. things like that in terms of currency. And you know, obviously it's evolved over time, and now we've got, you know, Bitcoin and plastic and things like that. But uh, our mission is really to allow those banks and credit unions to provide their customers, who are consumers like you and me and small businesses, with a better user experience when they go to make payments. So if you think about how things have changed uh, in banking over the last 20 or 30 years, you know, we didn't have iPads and iPhones and smartphones yeah, not that long sure. ago. But today, um, a lot of people do their primary banking through this device. 
or an iPad, and they do it whenever and wherever they want. And uh, so that digital experience is super important right now uh, to the for the banks to offer to their customers. Mm-hmm. And what's happening for those banks is they're getting squeezed by the technology companies who are largely unregulated, you know, the non-banks. So if you think of like Venmo and PayPal, they're really not banks, they're really not regulated, but yet they're doing a, a service and a function that the banks really had owned for all these years, which is allowing me to move money from my account to make a payment to a person, to a bill biller, uh, to a merchant, or maybe moving money to my own account, you know, at another another institution. And so those banks and credit unions are worried about, you know, getting encroached. They also have to worry about the big companies like Walmart that really isn't a bank either, but people go in there to do uh, banking type functions. Oh, yes. And then if they're small and, uh, you know, smaller regional uh, size FIs, they got to worry about the mega banks uh, who do have the resources to create these, uh, take advantage of these devices and create these better user experiences. So we come into play as really the, we call ourselves payment plumbers. We help the uh, FIs through partners and on a direct basis uh, create those better digital experiences um, so they can offer their customers a premium experience. Wow, that's interesting. So you come in as a white label solution basically. Yes, yes. We, we are sort of that behind the scenes service. So when you go out um, tonight uh, to make a payment, um, through whatever device you prefer. Uh, it's a ubiquitous experience if you're on our platform, whether you're using a phone or an iPad or your laptop, it's gonna be the same experience for you and um, that gives you the, the total control and flexibility that you're gonna want as, as today's consumer. Um, people still go into branches, but it's becoming less prevalent, right? I can do everything I wanna do tonight in the comfort of my home with a device of my choice so why not let me do that? But you got to make sure the experience is really premium, right? Because uh, if you think about younger people, millennials, uh, they grew up with the smartphone in their hands, and so they tend to rely on that to do just about everything, right? Yes, definitely. Whether it's shopping uh, online or researching something or just communicating, but now banking. So there's a lot of pressure on the uh, community banks and credit unions to up their game in that regard. And yeah, we're there to help. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah, I remember um, we were opening up an account locally and it was a local, we were looking at, at some local banks and the thing that was the deciding factor was do they have a mobile app that allows me to deposit the checks at home with the camera? Yes. Um, and if they didn't have that, then they were off the consideration list, right? And so um, it's amazing that there, there's a need for that and companies like yours is stepping into that space. Um, and, what, and what's happening, Kenny, is the, the legacy providers that have been around for a while that have been servicing these FIs, um, they tend to uh, be slow to, to innovate um, around some of these things. And so what happens for, a, a, you know, we deal with a lot of C-level executives at, at financial institutions. and. You know, 15, 20 years ago, they didn't have to worry. All these solutions didn't really exist and the devices didn't exist. So it was a simple world back then. You had branches and you might have branches in grocery stores and you might have a call center. And then one day the Internet was was birthed and you could create a website and provide some information and maybe offer bill pay and online banking. It was pretty simple. 
Today, when that same C-level exec wakes up, now he's got a variety of different payment offerings that they uh, offer to their customers, but they're all built by different vendors at different yeah. times for different purposes. And so they're sort of cobbled together and they're not really on one platform. They're certainly not a ubiquitous experience. So the customer might do something online uh, through their laptop that works different, looks different, feels different than when they go to their mobile experience. And that's a problem because people don't want that. They want the same experience um, across all devices. There's a term in our space called omni-channel, multi-channel. It's sort of that, you know, same experience no matter where you are and what you're using. And that's really where we come in and offer an open API platform on a single platform that solves that problem that they have today. Wow, that's interesting. So you came in um, at what point in the actual timeline of product development and this company itself? And then uh, where's the company today? How many employees? Where are you in terms of sales or customers, et cetera? Yeah, so we've been experiencing some phenomenal growth in the last uh, two quarters. We've added 100 clients, which is, which is awesome for us. We're up to about 175 customers now all across the country, all banks and credit unions. Uh, that's, our, that's our space. We're, we're built by bankers for bankers. That's what we like to say. The company's five years old now. Um, it was birthed out of Webster Bank in Connecticut. That's where the, the platform started, really. And the bank there invested a lot to create this great platform that had all these solutions on a single platform. Uh, Payverse was started when that platform came out of the bank. Um, and we were able to offer that same platform, but in a much more upgraded, uh, enhanced way to other banks and credit unions in the United States. And so today we have about 25 employees. I mentioned 175 customers. We also have 21 partners, um, and we use those partners as distribution arms. So uh, they might offer banks and credit unions things like mobile banking, online banking, um, they might be core processors. And so they take our capabilities and they build them in and embed them within their capabilities. So if it's a mobile banking company, um, they want to have payments on there. Yeah. You want to be able to use your phone to do your banking, but also get e-bills, make payments, transfer money. Um, so they take our functionality and they embed it within their solution and then they go out to market and sell their solution to banks and credit unions, and we go along for the ride. Um, and so that's our model. So who do you, who who do you see as your biggest competitor? I think you know um, on the consumer level, you know Venmo and PayPal are on the rise in terms of individual peer-to-peer -peer transactions, but um, I don't think they'll ever be a serious competitor to what you guys do, right? Because the banking transactions is what you guys um, center around. Is it um, the bigger banks that have invested in these mobile apps and this, the platforms on the back end? Or is it, are there other disruptors that you're keeping an eye on right now uh, for the industry? Yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, firms that um, are coming out with you know, the, the next new thing around online banking and, and um, mobile banking. And uh, we, you know, we are partnering with a lot of those firms. So they are the disruptors and the movers and shakers in the space. So, and we feel like we are the mover and shaker in the payment space. Um, before us, there hadn't really been 
a digital payments company created in 20 years, mm. almost 20 years. And so it's time now with all the new technology and the capabilities for a company like ours. So traditionally, we compete with the big conglomerate fintech providers, uh, companies like Fiserv, yep. uh, Fidelity. And these are good companies. Uh, they have lots of banks. They have thousands of different offerings. Um, they're global. Um, so they have a lot of things to worry about and sell to banks besides payments. All we do is payments. So in a traditional sense, we do compete with those guys. We kind of view it as a David and Goliath story, though. And we're David. Um, but if you've read the book, David and Goliath uh, by Malcolm Gladwell, you know that David had a lot of advantages over Goliath. Oh, yes. Um, he was faster. He had more modern weapons. Um, he had a, a different kind of a vision. Um, and so the, his ability to be agile and maneuver really was why he defeated Goliath. And we have, we're the same way. You know, we have a modern platform versus our competitors. We're very quick um, in what we do. And we also have modern weapons, um, which is our open API platform. So that's who we compete with directly. Indirectly, though, if you go to talk to your uh, typical bank CEO and you say, what are you worried about right now? Right. Uh, they're worried about a couple things. One is they're losing, slowly losing their uh, franchise on payments. You've got the Venmos and the PayPals that are basically coming in and they're taking control of that bank's customers and saying, hey, why don't you use my app to move money from your account to another person. Yeah. Well, that used to be the bank's turf, and now Venmo and PayPal and companies like that are coming in. And it's because they're, they're finding the customers where the customers are, and they're offering the customers something they're not getting from their yeah, bank. definitely. So a bank executive would say, you know, I'm worried about the non-banks. Um, and in our market, the regional and community banks are also worried about the mega banks. They're bigger, they have more resources, they have more wherewithal, so we're basically coming in saying, look, we can help you with all of that with our solution. And uh, there's definitely a need. We hear over and over again, the frustrated C-level executive at a given bank is saying, I want to create a better user experience, but my legacy provider doesn't offer me that. And so I have nowhere to go. And we say, well, now you do. You have Payveris, and we're on your side. We're bank-centric, bank-friendly, mm. and everything we do is through the bank. And it's pretty simple. People still trust their bank. Uh, they may complain about their bank, but they still, by and large, <laughs> will always go back and trust their bank. And yes. that's where you do, you know, you manage your, you put your money, you manage your money, you pay your bills. Um, and, and so that we just want to provide better tools and a better experience for those customers so they stay at those banks. Definitely. Yeah, I think you're right, is that um, they want hassle-free high integrity um you know mission critical experiences that are flawless right so um amazing so what about um on your rise to the top of this you know fintech empire um you've had some um obviously partners that you've relied on or had uh, you know support from can you tell us a little bit about some of the other organizations or partners out there that has has been helpful for developing your story into a successful one? Yeah, that's a great question. So when the company started five years ago, it was it was really totally predicated on using distribution partners. 
Um, we have a, a little bit of secret sauce in the way we uh, do our funding of accounts that is unlike what anybody else right. does. And so it's incumbent on us to get relationships with other providers to already have established customers and bases and services, and uh, we just become part of their solution. But payments are pretty critical. If you think about your own behavior when you go log into your bank, more than likely you're going to be going in there to make a payment or to move money. Now, you may be in there to find some information or to, to do a service, maybe order checks or something like that, which not many people are using anymore. You're more than likely going in there to, to move money. And so we're in a perfect place right now because um, you know, that's what we do. You know, we're a money movement platform. So some of the partners that we've, um, uh, and you can look on our website and folks can look on our website, they really are the, um, the folks with the modern solutions, uh, companies like Malazai, mm -hmm. uh, who offer a really robust mobile banking solution. They're just like us. They're funded by investors. They're going out to the market. They're filling a need um, because, by and large, the banks don't have really good mobile solutions. That's a problem. And that's why people are, you know, going to these other providers. Um, so that's one example of a, of a company that we really work well with that is out there um, offering a really robust solution and really go with high regard. And there's there's others, you know, like I said, we have 20. That's, that's, that's awesome. It's awesome to hear that. And I guess also being a startup also affords you to plug into this startup community life, right? Um, there are... Uh, I think you guys have also gotten the attention of the Connecticut Tech Council recently. Um, tell us a little bit about that relationship and uh, anything that's come out of that. So the, uh, the, the Tech Council, we're, we're, we've been involved on and off over the last um, number of years um, with them. Uh, we've had some of our investors have been on the board and even Chairman uh, Luis Hernandez, uh, who was uh, chair of uh, or the, the – uh, CEO of Open Solutions for many years here in Connecticut, has been very active there. And so I'm really just starting to get uh, reinitiated with the Connecticut Technology Council. Um, but I'm pretty excited. Uh, they named us uh, last year a technology company to watch, oh, which wow. is a pretty, pretty nice accolade for us, you know, being a small company. And awareness is so super critical for us yes. because one of our biggest challenges is getting the word out that we're here. Um, so, you know, getting affiliated with uh, a group like the um, Connecticut Technology Council is very important. It gives us exposure. It allows us to network with other technology companies, and that leads to uh, new business. Um, and we hope to return the favor by offering those companies that have helped us, you know, we, we pay that back, uh, pay that forward. Um, so that's that's one example. Uh, Connecticut Innovations is one of our investors here in uh, Rocky Hill. Um, they have been an investor for a number of years. They've reinvested in the company um, a couple of times now. That's awesome. And they've been super uh, supportive and helpful as well um, in terms of not just the funding. That's a big part of it. But they've helped us find good people. Um, they've turned us on. They have some programs where, uh, one in particular, where they've helped us with our marketing uh, efforts around a, a, a company and product positioning, and it brought us really good resources that uh, we haven't had to pay anything for. Um, 
and so we're you know we 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 love those kind of relationships and really appreciate them. So Jeff, um, tell us a little bit about where it's an exciting story so far. Where what's the next step? What's the next chapter in the Payvera story? Where where do you want to go from here in the next year, next two years? So one of the things that I love about Payveris and the reason I joined is because we have a very unique model and a unique value prop relative to what else is in the market. And we have a platform that holds uh, a number of different solutions on that single platform where nobody else really does it like that. So today we have things like bill payment. Um, uh, so, so think of it this way. You can pay uh, yourself by moving money from your bank account to a brokerage account or vice versa. You can pay another person. Mm -hmm. um, you can pay a, a, a biller um, for a bill that, that you have. Uh, another use case would be paying a merchant. So you close this uh, session out. You go grab a cup of coffee. You could use the Payveris mobile wallet to make a payment at a merchant. So we continue to see the platform extend uh, out into new innovative ways um, to make payments. Uh, some of that's driven just by new markets. So one of the markets we want to get more into is business to business payments. Like 70% of all payments today that are B2B, using our vernacular, uh, are, are paper-based. Yeah. Ton of paper. So we can come in with our digital platform and say, look, we can eliminate that paper, give you faster payments, more risk-free payments and a lot much much lower cost we're 100 percent in the cloud so um, that's an area that we want to focus on but also just in terms of thinking about the new devices out there wearables so um, imagine a time where you can and instead of picking up your phone and typing in a payment you can just speak into it and say you know pay my bill we're working on things like that as well so a lot of innovation um, yet to come. And that's one of the things when our customers sign up with us, and we have some quotes around this, why did you pick Payveris? Mm. Why us? It's because they say we're thought leaders, we have a vision, and they think of us as being innovative. We love that. Um, so we want to take advantage of, of that accolade and um, continue to pr you know, prove that out. So we do have a long runway uh, left. We're really just getting started. We're only five years old, and um, we're starting to see that. Um, I call it the heel of the hockey stick where it starts to go yep. up the long part. That's where we are right now. That's, that's the fun part to be in, that inflection point where the ch graph changes. Right? We are at that inflection point. Yep. So um, great. Are you ready for our lightning round as we close out this interview? Yes, sir. Okay. So. Um, everyone always wants to know how CEOs and leaders at the top C-level suite and above tend to do so much more than everyone else. Um, can you share a little bit about your personal productivity secret sauce? Is there a digital resource or a productivity approach or philosophy in terms of getting your work done or collaborating with teams? Is there something you can share with us today? Yeah, there's a couple of things that I think are, are important. Um, one of the things we use, and it's, it's a company-wide tool, is Salesforce.com. So, you know, that's pretty prevalent in the market. But we, we, we have really expanded our use of that um, pipeline, as you can imagine, in a, a growing company that's trying to, to create a lot of sales. It's very important to stay on top of what's in the pipeline so we can tell our board and our investors. Um, Definitely and see what's coming and forecasting that. So Salesforce is a tool that everybody's using. 
when I started, I think only a few people, really the salespeople were using it. Now, pretty much the whole now company the whole uses company. it. Yeah, and we want to use it for things like customer service, customer support. The other thing that I, I think is important is in a dynamic environment where it, it, you know the blessing of being a, a small company is you, you can pivot and you can be agile and nimble. Um, it's, it's easy to get out of, out of a line with the, you know from the product marketing sales development. It's easy for one part of the company to get you know in a different swim lane than the other part. And that's not good. So having regular alignment meetings, what I've learned is, you know, the traditional thing is you, you have a strategy meeting and you set your strategy and you go. And next year you do the same thing. Well, that's not enough. You've got to revisit that strategy mm. and make sure everybody's aligned, kind of like you're always checking your pulse. You've got to check your pulse pretty frequently around alignment. And that's something that I'm trying to do more and more. But I do that the old-fashioned way, get the, the key leaders in a room and we sit down and we all stack hands at the end of that meeting on alignment. Interesting. Yeah, it's one of those things where you probably want to do it more often than you feel comfortable doing, right? <laughs> to make right. Sure, making sure you're doing it often. It's easy to push off, but it's really important because if you get out of line, then that means that we're not rowing in the same direction. So Awesome. Okay, second question is, um, what author, speaker, innovator, thought leader in the industry or in business in general is catching your attention that you're following that you respect a lot right now? Yeah, so um, we there's a lot of payment-oriented uh, publications. Uh, American Banker, of course, is a staple that we we uh, we look at often. Uh, there's Payments.com. There's there's all sorts of uh, of payment um, information out there. Uh, Glenn Brook does a lot of uh, yes. of work around uh, payments. Um, so we, we, we look at all that. Um, I, I like digital transactions a lot. It's a, a publication out of uh, Chicago. The editor there is John Stewart. He does a real nice job. He doesn't cover just uh, our, you know, payments is a big category, obviously, because you've got, uh, you know, B2B and you've got uh, bill payment and you've got merchant payment. They cover kind of the breadth of that, but they oftentimes have some very um, stimulating articles that I think are a little more edgy um, around what's happening in the payment space, and they're not afraid to to be critical to the space. <laughs> if, uh, if if we're doing something that uh, may be uh, questionable, they, they're pretty quick to call it out. So I, I kind of like reading reading that one as well. Sounds authentic. I like I like that kind of authentic, uh, yes. approach. Yeah. Um, last question is: If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best method to do that? Well, you know, in today's world, you know, you're on 24 by 7 pretty much. Um, you know, I can't tell you how, how uh, when I actually turn off, maybe when I'm on an airplane, I can't talk to anybody, at least right now. But email is always uh, the easiest, most efficient, because we're pretty much checking e emails around the clock, except when we're sleeping. Um, and everybody's on the go. You know, I travel a lot. The team travels a lot. So at any given time, you squeeze in time to talk, but a lot of times, you know, you just can't quite have that conversation. So email is still kind of the, 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 the baseline staple for me, um, but I'm constantly on the phone really at all hours um, talking to different people. Our company, even though we're small, we do have a number of people that uh, cross the country. We even got a resource in Hawaii. <laughs> so uh, we cross a lot of time zones and, you know, have a lot of... Uh, 
calls and, and, and meetings as well. Nice, but, uh, nice. Email's probably the, the easiest. Awesome. So uh, thank you so much for taking a part of your day to share with us the PayBear story. Um, it's exciting to hear where you've come from and where you're going. Um, I'd love to check in with you uh, and see where you guys are at the next milestone. Uh, but really appreciate the time that you spent with us today on the Venture Clash podcast. Thanks, Kenny. Appreciate uh, you offering to do this, and I really enjoyed it. Awesome. And just for everybody that's listening, if you haven't checked out our website at VentureClash.com, you'll find this episode as well as all others from our podcast series interviewing startup venture entrepreneurs across fintech, insurtech, and the digital health spaces, as well as learning about our $5 million venture competition for Venture Clash. I'm Kenny Jang, the host of this podcast. Thanks so much for chiming in, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for tuning into today's episode of the Venture Clash Entrepreneurship Podcast. Drop by www.ventureclash.com as to learn about the $5 million Venture Clash Startup Challenge. We've set aside millions to support your innovation and product offerings. Venture Clash is also the place where you'll find the resources you need to help grow your business. Check out the contest at www.ventureclash.com today.